I'm John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. I want to thank you for joining me. Um, look, I'm going to rely on the on the phone calls a lot today because, look, we, we covered something last week that I think definitely has um, uh, some particular interest in New York City, uh, WBAI, and frankly, any of the Pacifica stations, because it involved outing Buffy St. Marie as what we're calling a pretendian. Um, it turns out her her whole persona as a native person uh, was a fabrication. And so I know that she was a very popular figure in New York City and certainly a very popular figure within the uh, the, the w, WBAI listenership uh, and, and I, likely the PFW listenership as well. So um, I do want to address um, or, or give you the chance to address it. And I know many of you must have questions. And so I'm going to open up the phone lines um, when uh, after I do this the, this brief part of the, the beginning of the show. Um, I got to talk about something that that I personally uh, that I felt like I personally experienced. Um, as some of you know, I went to New York a couple of weeks ago to help launch the PBS series um, Native America. We did a screening of the first episode, and then. We had uh, uh, two of the guys from Hallucination who were featured in that episode uh, join us on stage. We had uh, one of the uh, directors and producers, uh, Boots Kennedy, join join us, as well as one of the, um, uh, um, I'm going to forget his name, but one of the, the non-native, uh, non-native uh, producers as well. Um, and we feel the questions from the audience, and we, we, we basically had a, had a good conversation about a, a range of things, but not the least of which was this, the series that they were doing. Um, so that's what I did. I went to New York and I helped moderate that discussion and, and we watched episode one and then last week, um, episode two came out this week, episode three has come out. Um, but when I watched episode two and, you know, I always get a little leery when I, when I hear a, a title to a show being called Warrior Spirit, because this is this, this, you know, again, stereotypical, um, image that people have created about what native people are that we're you know almost like we've got this predisposition to uh, to you know to serving in the military and that kind of stuff and they featured one of the one of the um, um, uh, the people that profiled was it was a young uh, Navajo girl who was a, a boxer and she was having some success as a boxer and she ultimately enlisted in the Marines and you know they showed her doing target practice and and frankly, taking some shots at some human silhouettes and that kind of stuff, and 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 that kind of bugged me, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. I mean, it, they didn't really promote this this idea that she was going to join the military to fulfill some some warrior you know predisposition or something like that. And that usually gets more tied to men anyway. But and and I think it's false either way. They they did another um, a piece where they. Um, they they highlighted some Pueblo um, long distance runners and they likened it to 
the historical uh, distance runners they had that would carry messages and one that was specifically about a revolt, uh, an uprising against the Spanish back in like 1680 or something along those lines. And, and I thought that was good. Then they did another piece that as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, well, this is kind of nice. I and mean, it, it featured uh, four young boys, one key down one of them, who was the, who was a horseback rider. His, uh, they had put together a, a race team, a team that would, um, um, where the rider would, would race a horse and then change horses. And it was a, re a relay race, essentially. Um, one rider, four horses or something along those lines. And, and of course, his team consisted of somebody that would hold the horse that he would jump onto next, one that would stop the horse they would get off of, and, and then and, and a, a fourth kid that would uh, take the horse. And when they, when they started the whole program, they mentioned that suicide was going to be, be mentioned. And, and when they introduced this team, they talked about how this, this, this the rider, uh, his name was Dylan, his, um, he was on a basketball team, which his father coached, and a couple of his teammates committed suicide. And, and they just kind of got over that or went through that. And, and, and the mother talked about how, you know, how much that, that had affected her son and that this bringing in the, this, uh, this uh, racing team and, and, bringing, and having them work with horses was, was you know, the, the implication was that it was, that it was therapeutic and that it was helping him and the other boys, you know, kind of move through this, this grief and, uh, and, uh, and the like. So that's what the show represented. And it showed him racing. First race, he didn't do so well. Second one, he did, he did much better on the exchanges and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it basically showed four kids kind of goofing around sometimes and laughing at each other and, and that kind of stuff. And, and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was uplifting. I thought it was inspirational, especially since it seemed that as the show was uh, relating, that it seemed like there was some benefit to them doing this racing team and working with animals and, and that kind of stuff. Then the postscript happens. And the postscript was after the show was done, they had one of the narrators come on uh, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and basically said that tragedy had struck. And several months after they filmed this, which was in the summer of 2022, so getting into November, a year ago now, essentially, um, Dylan, the, the horseback rider, uh, committed suicide. 15-year-old boy committed suicide. And it was, you know, I call it a gut punch, but it, it was, the, this is not an issue that I take lightly. For, for any of you who recall years ago, when I was uh, screening the, 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 the film, The Dakota 38, which was about um, the reenactment of the ride that the, the 38 Dakota were forced to go on uh, to be executed in Mankato, Minnesota. And this is in 1862, uh, day after Christmas, you know, so it's winter months, it's really tough weather. Um, and of course, that execution would take place, like I said, day after Christmas, 1862, which happened to be a week before the uh, Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was, you know, was to come into effect. Um, but when you watch that film, you realize that one of the kids they highlight there, you know, I say kid, he was a young man, uh, who was seemed to be struggling with some stuff, uh, was a little uncomfortable around the white folks who were, you know, providing them lodging sometimes along the way and taking care of them with their horses and that kind of stuff. The the producer of that film, one of the co-producers who was a, a you know a, a white guy from Long Island, he couldn't understand why, 
you know, not why everybody wasn't more appreciative of the help they were getting from these white folks. He didn't seem to understand the disconnect, right? The fact that these affluent white people, ranchers, big farm ranch owners, living these great lives on this land, were doing it on native land, Lakota land, and and I think that added to the tension. But anyway, without uh, <laughs> re-narrating the whole film, you get to the end of that film, and in the credits, they just had a memorial of uh, one of the kids they featured, this uh, Billy Ray Dumark. So I looked looked it up, and it turns out he committed suicide. So again, even as I'm screening the film, and I screened it multiple times because I think it was an important film. I mean, it, it certainly gave people a, a whole lot, a different understanding about the role that Lincoln played in terms of Native people, and 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 of course this this mass execution, the largest ex execution in the history of the United States, took place. You know, again, day after Christmas um, in in 1862. So I think it was an important film, but. Once I learned this about Billy Ray Dumark, I had to highlight him as a figure in that film. And, and it wasn't easy for me. I, oftentimes I was very choked up. I, you know, had to pause a few times and, and, and literally, you know, sobbed as I, was, I was, as I was telling you. And that's the same feeling I had watching this Native America series, episode two. I felt like, yeah... I felt like why would you why would you even use this segment in this episode, especially in a in an episode that you're calling Warrior Spirit and that you're pitching as these inspirational figures across Indian country. And in fact, PBS actually puts out a um, on 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 uh, social media one, this flyer that is encouraging you know grades six to twelve <clears throat> to watch these episodes. So I'm I'm troubled by it. And, and, and look, I even addressed this a little bit. For those of you who followed Reservation Dogs, the series that was on Hulu, um, featuring, you know, a group of Native kids, the thing starts out with the premise that one of their friends committed suicide. So here's the thing. Whether it's a film like Dakota 38 or a series like um, Reservation Dogs or like this series here, just mentioning that a suicide took place is problematic for me. I, I have difficulty with that. I don't think that's enough. I don't think it's enough to just mention suicide. If we're not going to specifically address it, what the I mean, why did the, the kid in, in reservation dogs, why did he even commit suicide? He had friends, he, you know, he had family. What what was going on in this kid's life in uh in uh, a flathead territory reservation that even with the support of his family and, and his team that was helping to do doing this racing, what broke down? What are the root causes? And we're not having that conversation. And I get a little pissed off when I see suicide being used almost or exploited in some of these, these shows without addressing the issue. I got into a debate with somebody on social media that I felt like reservation dogs didn't go far enough. And they said, oh, what are you talking about? They, they addressed suicide. No, they didn't. They mentioned it. They didn't address it. And then they, and the person who I was having this debate with suggested that they normalized suicide and LGTB issues. And I'm thinking, for one thing, I don't want to normalize suicide, youth suicide on Native territories. I want to, I want to stop it. And, and I didn't think they normalized LGTB issues in, in, the, in the show either. I like Reservation Dogs. 
I, I, you know, the movie Dakota 38, I was powerful, and I, I still encourage people to watch that if they can find it on Netflix. Netflix. And, and even this Native America series, I think some of it is, is, is just flat out wrong. I mean, season one, they, they perpetuated the Bering Strait myth. This season, as they're trying to highlight contemporary Native people, I think they're still demonstrating success within the white eyes, within the white gaze. You know, you know we're talking about people running for office or, or being a, a NASA engineer. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we're saying we are now? No, we're some of those kids committing suicide on some of these impoverished reservations. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm really bothered by this. And, and look, I know there's a lot of stuff happening in the world. Everybody wants to talk about Israel and Palestine. And I've mentioned that. I've addressed it on this show. There's a lot of other things happening. Um, you know, this is supposedly a National Native American Heritage Month. It's, it's part of the reason I think PBS is running this Native America series throughout the month. Uh, they've, they've run three episodes. The third, uh, fourth episode is next week. Um, and I'm not saying all the segments are bad. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying don't watch it. But I got to tell you, if you're going to go back and you're going to watch this season, uh, season two, episode two, I think you have a right to know going in that they're not just going to mention that some kids in this boy's class took, uh, took their lives, but the, but the person that they featured took his life. And he took his life just a couple of months after they finished filming. And I was disturbed. I mean, look, I, I didn't play a big role in this thing. I mean, I, I, I moderated a discussion in New York City when we were premiering it. Uh, part of New York's uh, PBS um, uh, folks were involved. And, but I got to tell you, I don't feel real good about it right now because I don't think they managed or they handled this situation. And, I, and again, we're not going to address this. And, and I'm not just saying the media is not addressing it. You know, I think mentioning it in, in a couple of TV shows or in a film or even doing a film where you feature a suicide, if you're not going to show what were the, you know, the underlying causes, what were the triggers that would have pushed somebody to that? And how do we stop that? Look, mental health issues are a big problem in the United States. And if you think they're big in your community, then you can only imagine what mental health uh, treatment is like in on Native territories. Where I live, we haven't had a rash of suicides. But I will tell you, we've had plenty of overdoses with this fentanyl epidemic, this opiate epidemic. And I personally think that there's a fine line, and some people will criticize me for saying this, I think there's a bit of a fine line between the reckless use of, of some of these really dangerous narcotics, like, like fentanyl, and people who knowingly take them, I think there's a fine line between suicide and, and reckless use of, uh, of, of these, these kind of drugs. And, and, and I'm not saying people take them to kill themselves, but they know the dangers and they're challenging this, this whole, their, 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 their whole existence. And that's, you know, that has to fit within a conversation about suicide. I want to remind people that there is a suicide hotline. Um, it's a three-digit number, like nine one one. It's nine eight eight. I think it's important that people that anytime we talk about this, we we at least put that out there. But suicide is a problem, and I, and I'll tell you, youth suicide was never even a thing. It was a blip on the radar. It was considered such an anomaly that it wasn't even tracked until 
we started seeing a higher incidence of it on native territories. And, and we were off the charts on, on youth suicide on, on our territories. So I'm a little bothered by the way it was handled. I'm, I'm <laughs> both, you know, it, almost in every instance, I've never seen a, um, a film or a series or, 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 or an episode or a special or a documentary that really goes after the root causes and so and what those triggers are. So I I gotta tell you, I'm I was a little bugged at how uh, you know and, and it, look, we're we're praising native directors, right? You know, and this series has a native director, but I still don't think he was very sensitive to to native issues. Reservation Dogs has has native directors and native producers and, and, and native actors and all, all that stuff. But I still think they, and look, and let me be clear, Reservation Dogs is basically a comedy. But if you're going to build that, that show or that series, start that series on the premise that somebody committed suicide, it just seems like that should have been revisited a few times. I mean, they did a, they did a little bit of, um, you know, with um, residential schools and, and some of the other things that the other challenges, but they never quite get perhaps dark enough to address somebody approaching that place where they're, where they're considering suicide. So I, you know, I, I, I had to express this because I, I was bothered enough by it, but that I had to phone a friend. In fact, on, on my um, uh, podcast, uh, Let's Talk Native, uh, my friend Matt Hill joined me uh, for that podcast, and we we talked about this. And I called him that night. I we, we messaged each other back and forth, and, we, and then we spoke because I was I was bothered by. It. I wasn't in, in a crisis mode or anything else, but I, I but I was I was really shaken by that. My wife was really concerned because I watched the episode like three times that night, and and she was getting a little concerned because I was uh, you know she, I was obsessing over it. and and you know I I am and I will. I'm going to continue to, to obsess over this issue because I don't want to normalize youth suicide anywhere, but certainly not on, on Native territories. We need to combat the issue. We need to combat the, the underlying problems that, that lead to this. And, and there are many, not the least of which is are the policies that have created the quality of life on most Native territories almost unbearable. And if you want to have a, a root cause for, for suicide, make your life unbearable. And there you have it. So how are we going to address it? I mean, it, it, look, I think we, we need mental health experts and professionals. But we got we to gotta address the underlying problems that exist in Native territories. Oh, yeah, we're going to look at killers of the flower moon. And we're not going to acknowledge that those murders and that theft of monies and resources of the Osage in the 1920s, that some, of that, that some of that theft isn't still happening today? You got a governor of the state of New York who basically has been seizing 50%, I mean, half of the revenue the Seneca Nation has. And you know what the Seneca Nation could do with that $2 billion that New York State collected from them? They get a better mental health, better mental health services. So she's and her predecessor are taking that money that could be put to use for, for a better quality of life here in Seneca Territory. So... We can't just look at this stuff with tunnel vision. I've talked about siloing. And you know, and part of the thing is we're not even really addressing this massive problem that exists both on both sides of the, the imaginary line, Canada and the United States. I mean, there were suicide pacts, pacts that were happening on some native territories. So 
I'm going to talk about this this issue in into the future. I'm going to try to get some mental health uh, folks uh, to join me to to talk about it, and uh, and and we'll do more with it. But I had to mention it because this this was a recent occurrence on a PBS series that that I helped promote, at least in New York City, and and I just don't think that they managed that segment in last week's episode very well. So I wanted to touch touch on that. So. Um, all right, so I mentioned last week, and I had a guest on last week who joined me to, to talk about pretendians, and and I want to be clear that I am a li- more than a little concerned about the idea of of trying to do some sort of massive, um, um, I don't even call it a witch hunt necessarily because that that's been uh, appropriated by somebody else <laughs> at this point, but the whole idea of, of of launching a crusade to out everybody that could be challenged about their native identity is still something I'm concerned about. You know, the, there's a list that was produced and some of the people on that list I'm concerned about because I don't think that the, uh, I think some of it was, was, was somewhat uh, concerning. Um, I think some of the names on that list were, were being accused of being a pretendian. And, and the list was produced to say, oh, we're not saying that you're a pretendian, but we're saying that we can't prove that you're not. Well, that's kind of an awkward thing. Um, so, um, anyway, uh, that's that's part of that's part of the problem. Um, so, with Buffy Saint Marie being outed the way she has, it has turned into um, a bit of a frenzy. And now a new phrase has been ex- uh, been developed. One not uh, pretendian, but um, defendian, and these are the native people who are defending folks like Buffy Saint Marie, and 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 they've had this whole, you know, I think there's a hashtag, I stand with Buffy kind of thing. So, look, I know that she got her start in music and in folk singing right there in New York City, right there in Greenwich Village and uh, uh, Chelsea and, and that area, hanging with some of the big names and in, in, in all of that. So, um, I want to, I I really want to. Uh, Open up the phone lines and give some of you a chance to to weigh in on. Look, we can weigh in on any topic. I always, I've always said that, but certainly, I discussed uh, youth suicide, um, and I know there probably are some people that would have liked to have weighed in about uh, Buffy Saint Marie. So, the um, um, the caller number is two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. That's two one two two zero nine. Two eight seven seven. Reggie, are, are are you set up for, for us to do some calls? Uh, no calls yet, but I'm ready. I'm here. I'm ready for those calls to have. You know, if those calls come in, I will let you know. Yeah, I mean, Reggie, you you reached out to me because once you heard the story, you were like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I mean, I think oh, you were yeah. you were taken <laughs> aback big time, weren't you? I was totally taken aback by that because it was just the assumption. I mean, because of what someone like Buffy St. Marie represented and always, and you know, and, and so I was telling you off air um, about, I've seen her a couple of times when uh, she performed during the Clearwater Festival mm-hmm. and, and, and what she, there was things that she said and, 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 and how she said it, which as you have said before, I wouldn't have thought anything other but that. But it, 
now this story is coming out, and I haven't seen that documentary yet. I will see that documentary. It's on CBC. It's called the, right. the Fifth Estate. You can find the links to it. Um, um, and 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 frankly, she's doubling down on it. I mean, she's you know she's saying she knows who she is, and you know, and family members. Her 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 brother's uh, daughter, her niece, has you know said, "Look, do a do a DNA test. You're going to find out she's my aunt." I mean. <laughs> Uh, and, and of course, the story is that but Buffy claims that she was, you know, scooped up as this native child in Cree territory and then adopted out to this family in Massachusetts who, who raised her. The problem is that they have a legitimate, um, authentic um, birth certificate from the small town near Boston that she was born in. Uh, and, you know, and it negates her, her entire claim. But but here's for those who, who think, well. All right, so she kind of pulled it off. She's 82 years old, by the way. She's 82 years old. <laughs> 82. Um, and, yes, yeah, so she pulled it off, and, and you know, what's the, what's the big deal? Well, I'm going to tell you what the big deal is. For one thing, she received incredible amounts of awards, Juno Awards, uh, um, Indigenous Peoples uh, Awards. She she received Canadian Awards. I think she got the Royal Order of Canada Medal, um, and she wasn't born in Canada, you know, she and she's not Native. So... She displaced legitimate native people um, in in the run in this contest, essentially, these beauty contests, these these awards contests. And and that's that's a problem. But here to me is the bigger problem. I mean, I just got done talking about suicide. And if you've got somebody who is fraudulently casting themselves or building a persona around native tragedy, about historical trauma. And every and, and her entire story is false. If you're gonna do that, there's there's gotta be at least some people say, well, look at everything that she went through, and she seemed to be all right. She pulled herself up by her bootstraps, though the old bootstrap thing, right? Oh my god, I can't stand that term. So, I mean, some people look at Buffy St. Marie and say, Well, look, it, you know, here's a woman, you know, and they want to make, you know, almost make it a gender issue, who Went through all this trauma, and you know, and she she alleged all kinds of stuff, you know, abuse in in her adopted family and that kind of stuff, and which is, you know, and of course, we, and she also claimed that she was blacklisted by the Nick the the Johnson and the uh, and Nixon administration, and had the FBI investigating her for you know I don't know un American activity or something like that because of her position on the war. Now I got is any of that true? Because if they, if they if all they had to do was look for a birth certificate, they could have outed her from the beginning. They could have taken right. her out in the first place. So because it is all very plausible during that period of time. I mean, we know how how you know how the FBI is, right? But right. You, you would think if they if they really wanted to you know take her out of the public eye or ruin her image, they could have done that very easily. I mean, that is true. This this the you know not not knocking Canadian media, but I'm also not praising them, but. Uh, I mean, this this sh- small show in in in, a, in the Canadian market manages to to uncover all of this information. They, they went to the town where she was born in, and and they pulled a copy of her birth certificate. I mean, with the doctor's you know name on it and everything, you know. So I I know, but my point is when people per- perpetrate these frauds, they are not only trying to um, exploit our historical trauma. But they also make it seem like those who don't succeed are weak, and that we're you know and 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 to me that that's a pretty big problem. That's a pretty big problem. Yeah. So let me give the the call the number again. It's um it's a two one two two zero nine 
Um, look, I would, I'll be shocked if nobody calls in because I got to believe that somebody uh, well, is concerned we, we, about this issue. No need to be shocked, sir, because we got two callers. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's take them on. And if you would just let me, let me know what your first name is and, and where in the area. Look, we're, you know, we, we broadcast this, uh, you know, a number of different ways. Um, although I think my Facebook live feed broke. So I don't know what happened there, but we're, we're, but, but if you're, however you're listening, you can obviously listen online. I know we've had some callers from Florida and this show does broadcast in Washington, DC, although it's not live. So I think some of my DC listeners do tune it in live in case we do something like this. So tell me what your first name is and where you're calling from and, uh, and let's have it. All right, caller, you're up first. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, George from New Jersey. Hey George, thanks for calling in. Yeah, I thought you were talking about uh, teen suicide, but I, I hear you're talking about an imposter here. <laughs> well, I'm I, talking about that teen. Well, I am. I'm talking about both issues. I, I, I brought up this this okay. issue about teen suicide because it it um it kind of you know um hit me in the face this uh, last week. But I also know that Buffy Saint Marie was very popular in New York. And look, she was a guest on my show. I mean, I've had her on my show. Um, um she, but I I felt like I had to um give you the callers you the listeners an opportunity to ask about that and certainly we don't have to we can we can talk about you know the issue that i presented today did she fool, did she fool you oh yeah oh definitely yeah i mean i i look i had no reason not to doubt her because the assumption always is well somebody must have checked her out <laughs> i mean the irony of her name by the way i mean she goes by saint marie but her parents name was santa maria i don't have to tell you what that <laughs> how that rings a bell, and and she's Italian, you know, and and of course Italian named Santa Maria that has a it's that has its own set of problems for, for many oh of us. Oh my you god, know? that's great. That's oh, great. But, yeah, she, um, another another Santa Maria probably, discovered Indians, I guess. I don't know. I guess so, right? She found Indians the hard way. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't believe she got away with it. But um, I don't know if there's a harm there. I mean, I know you're saying there is because. It gave legitimate people, but for all everybody knew, she was a legitimate Indian. So I mean, she still kind of. Uh, if guess, if you if you, you win know. a Juno Award in Canada, there's a good chance your career is going to be launched. And if you're a runner up for that, you're you're still playing in honky tonks and bars. So yeah. there is harm because there were there are legitimate you know uh, musicians and and you just got to wonder, would she have had the appeal? Without the native persona, would she have been as successful? Look, I know she wrote some good songs, you know, uh, Universal Soldier and, you know, Up Where We Belong, which won an, an Academy Award. I mean, I, I know she's written some good songs. And, and, and look, she's got a unique style. She's, you know, she's got a, you know, a, a really distinct voice. Um, she's been very successful as a performer. But you got to want, I mean, we know that how the entertainment works, right? I mean, there's a lot of yeah, luck involved yeah. in success. So did she, yeah. you know, you know, gin the system a little bit. She might have. It sounds like she did. Yeah. I just want to touch on the uh, child, the ch the poor child that killed herself or whatever, and the, the ones that always do this, but now they're suing the schools and stuff, stuff like this. I'd be very careful about suing the schools because you don't want the schools to have authority over your children, yet you don't even know your kids that suicidal. I mean, I would almost sue the parents for bad parenting. You can't let a kid know. That, that someone something says in school is so important that they're going to kill themselves. That's bad parenting. I don't care how old the child is. I don't want to bring it into the parent, but that's horrible to have a parent that doesn't know how in danger their child is and doesn't put 
the the notion of suicide is the worst thing you could possibly do. Don't ever do it. You know, that's the first thing nowadays you got to tell your kids. But they want to stop all of that. You got to stop the whole uh, worship of other people. You know, because that's how bullying starts. Well, I, and, I, I don't know about. Uh, I, I I never. I don't know occasions where. Um, schools are being sued, you know, except for the fact that, you know, if, if bullying and some of the, you know, if, if schools aren't addressing some of the bullying, look, in New York State, they got a law, Dignity for All Students Act, which which is specifically meant to address, um, you know, kids who are being harmed by bullying and discrimination. So, I mean, so I mean, if a school is being irresponsible, then yeah, I think there, there probably is some liability. But you have to understand that, especially in an impoverished areas like like Native Territories, these schools have, uh, you know, do have, I mean, the, the parents are, 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 are trying to scrape along. I mean, it, like in many, m many segments of American society. So, I mean, I, I think it's unfortunate that, that parents aren't picking up the cues. But if we're not talking about those cues, then I think that's part of the problem, too. And, and look, there are schools, th these public schools get millions of dollars to address I issues, including things like mental health and counseling and that kind of stuff. So, I, I think that there should be an expectation that, that schools could do more. But I'm not even saying that. I, that's not what my, my premise was. My premise was that, that we need more mental health attention, especially in these impoverished Native territories where life is not the American dream that was ripped from so many Native peoples because of the, because of the American dream. So I mean, I'm not trying to blame parents. I'm not trying to blame the school. I'm, I, there's a problem. And and I, before I blame anybody, I'd like to figure out well what's causing the problem. There you go. Yeah, that's a good solution. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you. Well, I think I appreciate the call. All right, let's uh, let's move along here. You know, I, I I do anticipate that some people are gonna that you know at some point this is gonna fill up the phone line. So so Reggie, go ahead and give me the next caller. Caller, you're up next. Okay. What's your name and where are you calling from? All right, Reggie, can you boost up his volume? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, John, please speak up a little louder. Hi, is this better? A little louder. Hello. There you Hello. go. Okay, that's better, better. Okay, John, I enjoy the show very much, and your point is well taken. These people who impersonate Native people and then reap the, reward, the monetary rewards or status awards. I mean, like even Elizabeth Warren uh, was able to get... Uh, uh, considerations for ten years and stuff like that, be, uh, to claim that she was somehow Native American, and this is just these are sick people. And well, and, and it's not even just Elizabeth Warren. The school itself was marketing themselves with uh, you know, as having all this diversity because they had, you know, they had her teaching there. So uh, yeah, so it goes even beyond sometimes just the individual. There's other people that capitalize on on some of this fraud. And then that. People find this tolerable. Nobody says, hey, wait a minute, or after years. Like Buffy St. Marie's been pulling this off since the 60s, for God's sake. I, I read a bit of her biography, and uh, in a way you can get taken in because the Native people have been subjected to so much uh, extra-legal stuff that for her to claim to have been just, uh, you know, just captured out of Saskatchewan and run over to the United States doesn't sound out of the question, but... She really did concoct this, and it's so unfortunate. Well, and she's also, she ties it to, you know, she refers to the scoop, and that's referred to as the 60s scoop. The problem with Buffy St. Marie, she was born in the 40s. I mean, 
um, the, what they're calling the scoop was really the late fifties into the or, you know the the early seventies. But she had her you know her birth and her childhood is you know predates you know uh, what is being identified as that sixty scoop. So now, well, and and look from a native standpoint. Look, we're looking for people that 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 we can look up to. We're looking for you know for people that you know are, are role models and that kind of stuff. And, and and so when you see somebody who has success, and, and you know, yeah, we're going to support that success. And and then to find out that she committed fraud all the time, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's it, it is it's heartbreaking. But for me, you know, and and I you know. I make no apologies, but my, my first reaction is anger. I mean, I just get mad when, when I see this kind of well, stuff happening. Well, you have every right to. No, these people, geez, what a conniving, just ridiculous thing of somebody who never grew up. Well, and, and now you start seeing people who are saying, you know, now that I look at her <laughs> with the over-the-top feathers and, you know, and jewelry yeah, yeah. and dress, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Reggie, do I, I have you ever, ever seen a, even a turquoise ring on my finger? I mean, <laughs> I, look, I got a ponytail, no. but you know, I, uh, 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 but I don't know the idea of trying to like you know over accentuate my nativeness. Yeah, overcompensate exactly, um, and that now now she's being called out on that as well. I, I saw I saw a cartoon. Well, I saw a cartoon with her and Big Bird, and Big Bird says, "Don't worry about it. I'm not really a bird either." <laughs> Oh. 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 oh man. Yeah. Oh. And people are calling burn. her people are calling her Bluffy St. Marie. I mean, this is you know, oh, this good. Is, Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, th there's never going to be a lack of people taking their shots here. So, yeah, go to town on a roast. Oh. oh man. Well, well, and now there's a conversation about whether she should be have all of those awards taken back. You know, I mean, she got the she got the Royal Order of Canada medal. That's kind of like the presidential. It's a big award. deal. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal, and and the fact that it's a very that, big deal that the country of Canada was duped. I mean, it's even. <laughs> I mean, Wait, well, that, they were weren't they duped with that guy from uh, from the Nazis also? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, well, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, There's a precedent. Oh, boy, they they're not doing too well at all. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh no. Well, thanks thanks for, thanks for the call. I, I greatly show, appreciate it. I love hearing you. All right, and I appreciate you you listening, and I appreciate you uh, participating. Uh, Reggie, we've got another one lined up? Oh, yeah, we got more calls. we got right. more calls. They're coming in now. Okay. All right, caller, you're up next. What's your name, and where are you calling from? Greetings, gentlemen. Uh, you can say I'm, I'm an African by way of the Caribbean, living now in, in Rosedale, Queens. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, right. and thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Great show. Uh, <clears throat> as an elder... I'm constantly seeking knowledge, and I'm never too old to learn. That's what my mother always told us. Mm -hmm. uh, what can you tell me about, uh, in your own history, about the relationship between uh, the enslaved Africans in America when, uh, you're, uh, when, you've worked, when you finally confronted each other or, or, had, or met each other? Right? How? What was? What was the, the the What was it about? What was life like between the two groups? Two, of, and and also, what can you tell me about this this word? Uh, uh, this title, Buffalo Soldier. How did it come about? What was it all about? All right. You, uh, good. Good questions. For one thing, let me let me be clear here. 
the first transatlantic slave ship was taking native people back to uh, uh, to Spain. It, it, before any Africans were 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 chained and and uh, kidnapped and uh, enslaved um, in the Western Hemisphere, native people were the first slaves that Europeans mm-hmm. uh, took from this hemisphere. Now, I'm not saying they weren't grabbing uh, uh, Africans for 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 slavery in uh, Europe. They certainly were, but mm-hmm. so. And there were native slaves that were um, um, used through all. I mean, frankly, there were there were examples where native people had a harder time fighting slavery um, than than some some of the black people who were getting uh, getting freed in the northern states. I mean, places like New Jersey. Mm-hmm. New Jersey was the last state in the United States to um, uh, sign the Fourteenth Amendment or to agree to the Fourteenth Amendment, and uh, you know, and do away with slavery. And, and it's because they were a, very much a slave state. And there's a, there was also a strong relationship between native people and um, and runaway slaves. The Underground Railroad, most of that initiates with help from native people in various places. The Tuscarora, the, you know, the, the folks down, down south, the Cherokee. I mean, I know people were quick to bring up, well, didn't the Cherokee have slaves? Yeah, some of the most assimilated native people... Uh, that were you know following the you know the the customs of of Americans. Yeah, they were doing some of the same uh, crap that uh, that white folks were. But by and large, native people played a role in the Underground Railroad. Now, the other thing I need to say is that native people weren't weren't it wasn't as prosperous to enslave native people because we had too much of of a knowledge of the land. So mm-hmm. what happened oftentimes was that native people, ironically, since you since you called and asked the question. Were sent out to the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Native people, and this is true in uh, you know, especially we we know this from Long Island, right? The 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 Shinnecock and the Puspatuck. Many of Native people were enslaved and sent to the, the Caribbean to um, for sh- uh, sugar plantations and that and that kind of stuff. Part of that whole rum trade and that kind of thing. So yeah. there there was that. Now I'll address your Buffalo soldiers. Uh, newly freed slaves were given the opportunity to work for the U.S. military and basically kill Native people. So when Bob Marley sings about Buffalo soldiers, there's a sarcasm there that I don't think most people get. He's not praising Buffalo soldiers. He's actually saying fighting for America. I mean, he, I he's, he's actually doing. He's actually being sarcastic. Reggie and I have talked about this on the, on the program before. Yes, we did. And Bob Marley is not praising the Buffalo soldiers. He's actually... No pra- way, no way, yes. I agree. And, and I think mo- many people misinterpret that but you know i don't know where the name actually came from i guess i think i've read it before but where the name come from is, is isn't that relevant but the fact is that 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 black men were being given a gun and given some stature and and some pay and promise of land if they would help kill kill native people and and i gotta tell you and i've talked about this on the show before too frederick Douglass, as much as as he was a, an abolitionist he was not opposed to Wiping out Native people so Black people could share in the American bounty. He was all for get, uh, eradicating Native people uh, as long as Black people were going to get their share. So there's 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 some um, uncomfortable uh, elements to some of that history uh, between slavery and abolition and and like I said, Abraham Lincoln executes thirty eight Dakota. He signs the execution mm-hmm. papers for thirty eight Dakota who would be executed the day after Christmas in 1862, which was a week before 
January, that would be January 1st of 1863, that the Emancipation Proclamation would, uh, would become law. So there's a, there's a strange relationship. And, and, and it's part of the reason that, that I'm trying to press even some of these HBCUs, Howard University and others, to say, we need to have a bigger conversation. We can't talk about 1619 as um, uh, the, the beginning of America's uh, uh, you know, original sin. We've got, we've got to go yeah. before that. And there's a lot of gaps in that. That if we don't talk about Native people right alongside, and, and the fact that, you know, we're the ones who are raising the issues about the doctrine of Christian discovery, but that was used to mm -hmm. enslave black people too. So when we talk about some of the, the church dogma that has been codified into U.S. law, it ha it, it's, it's, look, it's caused harm to many people, uh, Native people and, and black people uh, in particular. Lastly, do you, how do you feel about uh, uh, Native Americans and black folks joining this, uh, this uh, military uh, 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 machine here, going out and, and killing uh, oppressed people? Because they're not going there to kill white folks. They're put in the military to go and kill people of color, oppressed people all over the world. And I think everyone, every black man, woman, or child who joins the military is considered a buffalo soldier. How do you feel about this? Well, you, you obviously haven't listened to the show too much in the past because, because I have addressed this uh, time and time again. I am adamantly opposed. I mean, look, Native people enlist in the very army that was killing their, their ancestors and their relatives, sometimes not even that long ago. I mean, Native people were enlisting in World War I, and that was, all, that was in, this, in the same, almost the, the same vision, I guess, of, of, the, of the, the last, you know, massacres like at Wounded Knee and stuff like that. So... No, I, I, I look and and you know people try to romanticize this and you and you ask this question as we're heading into another you know holiday that they want to glorify and romanticize you know killing mm -hmm. with Veterans Day. I, I look, I I think it's a mistake for any person to enlist, but certainly if you're a person of color, if you're black or you're native, you're yes. you're liter literally volunteering your body. To do the to conduct the same oppression that your people faced, and and I and I just I, I think it's you know extremely problematic. So I I'm with you 100 percent on that one. I want to thank you for the call. Uh, great questions. You uh, you've had a lot of questions in for a, for a single caller. So I I, I applaud <laughs> I applaud your call. I appreciate it. All right, we still got some time, so let's yeah. let, let's go forward again. Uh, caller, you're up next. What's your name and where are you calling from? Okay, my name is TJ. I'm calling from New Jersey. Hi, TJ. Thanks for calling and thanks for listening. Yeah, I would caution you to be very careful with the labeling of the fake and, and fraud just because of our history. Uh, we, you, don't forget, many of us were written out by paper genocide. Well, there's there's no such thing. I, I, well, let me let me stop no, you there. No, no, you just used an expression that I have a problem with because. Genocide is genocide. Sticking a word in front of it, uh, you know. So whether you, whether you're going to try to do it, you know, through legislation or through fraud, uh, you know, fraudulent documents, it's genocide is genocide. So I, I I just have to correct you on that. But go ahead. To what? Will you thank you? Let me say what I need to say. And by that I mean there was this. Did, did you ever hear of the Racial Integrity Act of 1924? Yeah. Uh, the Registrar of Virginia, Walter Plecker went and changed all the statuses of people on the census. So anybody, if they were not white, were automatically labeled as colored or Negro, no matter their uh, tribal connections, affiliations. That's one thing. Carolinas Number did the two, same thing. Carolinas did the same thing. 
recognize also that all of us did not go into Indian territory. And everybody is not part of a federally recognized group because that eliminates millions and thousands of us. And everybody is not affiliated with state-recognized tribes because there were multiple tribes. Folks got together, they grouped together, they intermarried, intermingled, um, African and indigenous intermarried and intermingled. So we have to be very cautious. And I find that the fake labeling is often more applied to people of African descent as well as indigenous descent called wannabes and also we have to really be cautious with that and i don't hear anybody else of any cultural groups coming up with this except our indigenous people we have to be mindful the ancestors would not be pleased well look i don't disagree with you and and that's why i you know, i started the program uh, even even last week when i had a guest on who was really advocating this this crusade against quote quote unquote pretendianism I, I caution people too because I think there's a it's it's really easy to label people or to, or to come up with reasons to accuse somebody of being a fraud, um, and look I would have never led this charge against Buffy St Marie but the fact you know but you know she's been outed and it's it's pretty clear that she that she committed fraud and you know and, and folks like Elizabeth Warren and then there's others that have done so Ward Churchill was another person who was who was kind of outed. And and part of it is is not necessarily to, uh, I'm, we're not trying to do some sort of you know ethnic cleansing. I mean that's not really what we're trying to do here. And and I and I am somewhat cautious about you know creating these lists of of pretendians. But but when it when it becomes clear that somebody's committed fraud and uh, uh, was it Rachel? What was her name? Dolans or Dols? What was uh, Dolazol? Dolazol. There there's a there was a. A, a, a white woman who had you know some a little bit of a complexion to her that that passed herself as as a black woman and was working for the NAACP. I mean, and so we're not the only ones who 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 have had our our culture um, and our identities appropriated. And I and I uh, but and, and I agree with you. I think that we we do need to be cautious. But you know, I I think. I think when somebody is, has been has clearly committed fraud, I I think that we have every right to be angry and to be outraged and you know if not heartbroken as some people are. So I appreciate right, the call. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, what I'm saying is we need to be cautious because considering our history, who is to say who's really and what is fraud? Well, and and I think that's the question. I mean, I'm I always get I I'm always averse to this idea of of who gets to decide who's real, whether it's a state. Right. I'm, I'm against exactly. this whole idea of fed. I call it fed rec, not federal recognition, because I think some of it, I mean, their definition of federal recognition is a tribe band or nation of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily sub subscribe to that. So I, I, I agree with you. There's many of us who will not ever want to carry a government card that suggests that, that our pedigree has been confirmed by the federal government or the state right, government. Particularly when we know who our people are. Well, and, and, and that makes it... Look, when somebody tells me that they're Native, I take them at their word. But but I will have a conversation because I'd like to know, well, well, who's your family? You know, where are you from? I mean, uh, what, uh, where, what, what communities are, uh, are you a part of? I, and so to have that conversation is not to interrogate somebody, but it's about... Making, I mean, that's the proper way to introduce yourself to somebody is is do it through your family, do it through your 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 history and your legacy. So, uh, and like I said, if somebody introduces themselves to me, I I take them at their word. But the conversation oftentimes will will flesh it out a little bit. Well, are are you just somebody with 
the belief that you have some native ancestry or do you have a connection to a native community and native people? Is your family connected? Do you have you know, that, that kind of legacy kind of uh, connection? And, and I'm not criticizing somebody if they merely have, you know, uh, some family lore that says their grandmother was a Cherokee princess, but, uh, but that's different than somebody who can, who, especially somebody who's going to stand up and speak on behalf of native people. When you find out that they merely, you know, did a swab test, of, uh, you know, in, in their cheek and they sent it to a, you know, to a company that's going to tell, tell them that they're native or not. I, that I have a bigger problem with too. So, all right. I don't need, do we have a call, time for one more call? Probably. Yeah, let's, uh, we have time for one more call. So, all right, we'll uh, squeeze one yeah. more. Caller, you're up next. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Johnny, is that me? That's y you. Y yeah, How it's you. you. This it's <laughs> this is Charlie from Long Island. Listen, I had a friend years ago from Philly, and he said his grandfather was like the chief of the Delaware tribe or something. I haven't spoken to the guy in years, but I, I'm, you got me wondering. Maybe you, maybe he didn't know what he was talking about. Anyway, the point I want to make, I'm looking at the situation in the Middle East with Gaza and, uh, and uh, you know, Israel and stuff. You know, most, I, I believe most of the Israelis are decent people, you know, but the, the, re, the way the, that fascist government of Israel gets uh, some Israelis on their side is by saying, hey, listen, uh, it's either us or them. It's a social Darwinian, uh, social Darwinian way of thinking. It's a fascist way of thinking, by the way. Uh, you know, we, we have to do it because they're going to kill us. We have to kill them first. And that's the same way this government had, had people on the side of, of killing Indians. Well, uh, you know, and, and I know, dark. Charlie, I know we're short on time, so let me give you a, a quick, you know, my, my quick take on, on what you said. And I'm, and I'm glad you called and brought this up. I believe that anybody, any government, any country that is founded as a, uh, as a theocracy and, and they're, they're going to base their whole existence on God saying that they're the chosen people and that God gave them land, I think it's all fraud. And, 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 and if you're going to use God as your fallback position... That, that authorizes you to take somebody's life and take somebody's land and take somebody's livelihood. Yeah, we native people, we know something about that. So I have a problem with that. So my problem with Israel isn't about my, isn't a problem with Jewish people. My problem is the idea that we're going to continue to praise this theocracy as a Jewish state at the same time when so many people are, pretty, are prepared to condemn um, a theocracy that might be an Islamic state. So I think there's hypocrisy, and certainly the United States is guilty of that. Reggie, I think we've probably pretty much wrapped it up. So I, yep, want, I want to yep, thank you yep. for helping help with the calls, and uh, um, uh, and I want to thank the callers for calling in. On, on, and look, I'm I'm glad you guys didn't all jump on the Bobby St. Marie thing. I'm glad you guys called in with other questions. That was that was great. It was, it's always a good time to have you guys a part of the show. So um, again, uh, we are listener support radio. So support WBAI and support WPFW. Uh, we only exist. Uh, on your uh, on your generosity. So support the stations. And uh, hey, we'll see you next week. This is John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. <laughs>